On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, we talk with a concussion expert and address how many concussions are too many? When should an athlete with multiple concussions call it a career? We'll also talk about the best treatments for concussions and the latest in testing concussions. But first, warm weather is here. Time to get outside, enjoy your favorite activities, and spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. This episode is also brought to you by Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars. Best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's protein bars and superfood bars available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole and the guest of this episode in our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is Dr. Elizabeth Piroff. She is a board-certified clinical neuropsychologist and director of the concussion program at Rush University Medical Center and Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. She's been involved in the assessment of players in the NHL since 1997. The head injury concussion specialist for the Chicago Bears, Blackhawks, White Sox, Fire, and the National Women's Soccer League. That's quite a resume, Dr. Cole, wouldn't you think? Uh, Dr. Piroth has her hands full, uh, I would say, and it's it's interesting, Steve. These uh, this area of expertise is is, um, is it's very specialized, and there's I would say only a couple people in the country I think that I would ever go to uh, as sort of the authority in this matter. And I'm, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Piroth uh, with us at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush as our neuropsychologist and directing our concussion program. Dr. Piroth, thank you for for joining us on our episode today. And uh, how did you get into concussion uh, science, so to speak? Uh, like most people, I think it kind of fell into it. Uh, I was actually doing a postdoctoral fellowship at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. And it was in 1997. And my, my supervisor, my mentor is a guy named Dr. Mark Lovell. He created the NF NHL concussion program. And in 1997, it was the year of the first NHL rollout took me under his wing and started learning about concussions and haven't looked back. So about almost 25 years working on concussions. Have wow. you ever, have you ever had a concussion? I've had four. Was that, did you have it before you decided to go into this? I did. I actually had one during my residency. Uh, was I think the last one I had, but, uh, I'm, was just, that? I'm, 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 um, <laughs> if you want to share, if you're willing to I share, share how share. you got your yes, concussion. Well, I, I will share because so many times patients come into my office and they sort of sheepishly start to tell me what happened. They're going to say, this is so stupid. And I'm like, oh, please, I'll tell you how I hit, you know, in my head. But I was living in Lincoln Park during my residency and uh, one of those old refrigerators. And I was putting stuff into the refrigerator and the freezer door opened up and I stood up and knocked myself silly. So the next day I really did not feel well. And one of my colleagues looked at me and said, you have a concussion. So it happens to all of us. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure when I played, uh, uh, June, I, I can't even, the semantics are different to do what we used to call our junior football. You can't even say anymore. 
but Steve, I don't know if you remember what the George the George Hallis League was when we were little kids. Yeah. In third grade, I started in third grade, so it was uh, the the word was for uh, little little people or small people or whatever. It was the derogatory word. That was the name of our football. Okay. Okay. I played for <laughs> so, the Mighty Mites in Park right, Ridge. So we were the Mighty Small People, but that was the word you were supposed to use at the time. <laughs> yeah. The Mighty yeah. Small People. But I know for a fact that I got. Um, I mean, we just call you, say you got your bell rung, you know, and there were times that, you know, you could, I mean, you feel like you were just out. I mean, that was a common thing and it was amazing how it just wasn't on our, on our radar back then. Right. Well, as you can imagine, I'm not a fan of that got your bell rung phrase. Yeah, I, understood. We try to get people to stop talking about it and talk about it as a brain injury, which is what it is. Well, we can go in a lot of directions um, and we can, you know, people I know do these shows and there's a lot of generic talk about concussions, but specifically something that I really wanted to talk about um, when I saw the story of Chicago Blackhawks veteran forward Andrew Shaw retiring from the NHL after doctors highly recommended he stop playing to care for his long-term health after several Concussions, just 29 years old in his second stint with the Blackhawks, won Stanley Cups in 2013 and 15, 10 year career. And I want to ask Dr. Piroff and also Dr. Cole, because you have dealt with this and maybe other injuries in your profession, Dr. Cole, but with Dr. Piroff here with concussions, um, how do you get to this this level? If, if you're dealing with an athlete, Dr. Piroff, you know, similar to an Andrew Shaw, a hockey player, it could be someone in another sport, and um, they've had multiple concussions, you've got to tell them or suggest to them that. It might be time to quit. You, you know, your life is on the line here or your future health or brain activity, whatever. So what goes into something like that? And that's a difficult discussion, isn't it? It's a very difficult discussion. And and I want to first say that I'm not going to talk about Andrew Shaw in particular, obviously, for, for, for reasons of confidentiality. But truthfully, the conversations that we have about retiring from sports are the same for youth athletes as they are to for pro athletes. And these are very long conversations because the athletes are owed that. I always tell people, be very leery of a clinician who tells you, you know, three concussions and you're done. Um, because athletes are entitled to a much lengthier, honest discussion about their history and their health before we make any of those recommendations. How do you, like, what is the criteria that you start to think about you know, sometimes uh, an athlete will have a concussion spread out over pro uh, prolonged periods of time. <clears throat> and then sometimes they'll have, you know, a concussion and get two or three in one season, depending on their sport. So what are some of the, I guess, metrics or objective things that we you, you, you talk about and, and, and you assess for that say, hey, look, you know, one more and this is going to, I don't know if that's actually the factor, but one more, you're going to, it's going to tip the scale towards the other side. You just can't afford to put your life and quality of life on the line. What so goes into that? There's what I tell people you know, athletes, youth athletes, and their parents or pro athletes is the same is that we look for four what I call red flags. And these are four areas that we start to say, hey, we got a problem here, right? And the first is what we call increased vulnerability. And that means lesser force is causing an injury. So an athlete will say, you know, I, I just, it wasn't that hard of a check, or I just headed the ball in soccer. Um, I don't know why I got another concussion. And that's entirely subjective, but it starts to point to the fact that they are not able to manage parts of their sports that, that are going to they're going to suffer another concussion. The second thing we look for is is are we seeing increased recovery time? 
so that they're, you know, they're just not bouncing back. So the first injury, they were fine after a couple of days. And now this injury, they're really taking a long time to recover. That's another area of concern for us. The third is, are there persistent symptoms? Someone says, you know, I just really haven't felt the same since this last injury. And also for me, it's an issue of things like development of migraines. So some athletes after the first concussion or 10th can start to develop post-traumatic migraines. And you can ask anybody who has a history of migraines. It's a real quality of life issue. So if I start to see a pattern that's suggestive of migraine headaches, it's a, it's a big red flag for me. I really start talking to them about that, particularly if there's a family history of migraines. Uh, we know that people who have a family history of migraines can have a predisposition. So we want to look at that closely. Um, and then lastly, we look at how many concussions. And to your point, Dr. Cole, it's not just how many concussions, it's over the proximity and a number of other factors. So we never talk about just this particular number. We talk about a long history of, 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 of issues here. Dr. Piroff, isn't it still difficult to diagnose a concussion? I mean, with, you know, with a knee, you can take an x-ray or an elbow or an ankle, but, um, you know, I guess you could take an MRI of the head, but are you seeing anything? I mean, do you ever, you know, how deep do you get into the, into the x-ray CAT scan MRIs of a, of a brain, or is it up to the individual to tell you what they're feeling? How are these things diagnosed really? So really diagnosis is done by by subjective reporting. So it's a good question about CTs and MRIs. A CT is done or an MRI is done to rule out more serious pathology, like bleeding of the brain. Um, it cannot rule in or rule out a concussion. So a concussion is simply, did somebody take contact to the head or contact to the body that moved the head forcefully? And are there symptoms that are consistent with concussion and not something else? So it, it's an entirely self-driven you know, driven, um, injury. And that's one of the problems that we have with athletes is that they can also hide these injuries. But one of the things when we talk about when we go through a, a history of concussions with an athlete is we also really want to make sure that we're not overdiagnosing, right? That, it, it, that their actual concussion history, when you're talking about numbers, those are true concussions and not simply something that, you know, I, I, I was dehydrated that day and I had a headache, so they put me in the concussion protocol. It's, it's a balance, right? We want to never, ever, ever uh, minimize an injury or, you know, um, it, we want to show adequate concern, but we also want to be fair to the athlete to make sure that we're not um, calling something a concussion that may affect their play when it's not in fact a concussion. So it can what, be very what, challenging. What's the, what, what's the minimum criteria? In other words, I, I know because I do courtside evaluation and so forth, but for our listeners, right. you know, if, if, if it was left up to the person who just uh, got their bell rung, how do they know? It's the mechanism. It's how they feel. It's what they can and cannot do. You know, what are the basic criteria for you know us to make that diagnosis, the most basic rudimentary criteria to make a diagnosis for concussion? So what I tell people is that concussion means that the, the function of the brain is changed. So if you hit your head, you're going to have a headache. And that's not to minimize a headache. But what people feel when they have a concussion is that their brain isn't working. Um, they feel slowed. They feel out of it. They feel confused. It's what we call mental status changes. And that's really the cardinal feature. Um, so you can have temporary dizziness um, that is fleeting. That may not be a concussion. So it's really trying to get in a sense of are there changes in how they're functioning. 
So we do ask, you know, questions about memory and attention to get a sense of that. So uh, like at a Bulls game, you're going to ask those questions, uh, you know, um, on the sidelines to see if there's any changes in in functioning. And as far as treatment goes, uh, just give me a sense, you know, what if, if I was a parent who had a young person who had a concussion, the first thing I'd want to know is how are we going to treat it? And then how we're going to get my kid back to sport. Just give us a, a brief overview of what to expect. So one of the biggest myths about concussion treatment is this idea of rest. It's really overprescribed. What we do know is that the best thing to do is the first couple of days is take it easy, sleep if you're tired, avoid things that bother you, and then start to increase activity, even as early as day three. And that's really what the data tells us. We know that when we move people sooner, they get better sooner. Um, and so it's a matter of Instead of talking about rest, we need to talk about symptom-tolerated activity, um, you know, doing activities, and if they bother you, to dial it back and to start to, you know, push people toward normalcy as tolerated. And the way we judge if someone's ready to, to return are three things. One, do they have symptoms with or without, with, you know, with exertion? So at rest and then with exertion. Two, is their neurologic exam normal? And three, is their cognition or is their in their thinking normal? And those are the three sort of criteria that we use from little kids all the way up to pros to assess recovery. So when it comes time to, you know, functionally get an athlete back to play, just walk us through the most basic steps of what do we got to do to get them safely back? So first off, I think it's important that, that you have a relationship with a physician, concussion specialist, athletic trainer, somebody who's experienced with this injury. And they're going to make sure that they meet those three criteria. Have they remained symptom-free at rest and with exertion? Is their balance and ocular testing normal? And are they functioning where they should be? Are they functioning in school? Um, It also may include cognitive testing. Most of the high school kids are completing um, an impact test, which looks for deficits um, after concussion. So, and, And honestly, I tell people all the time, we have no perfect way to know if someone's fully recovered. So... We need to work with athletes um, to get a really good sense if they're being honest with us because we don't want to, anyone to return to play until we everybody feels like they're fully recovered. Dr. Piroth, I want to uh, take a break, and uh, when we come back, I want to ask you more about um, pro players going into retirement due to concussions and uh, kind of the uh, the risk and also the benefits if they if they do retire and what uh, how you recommend that uh, but first I uh, want to recognize one of our sponsors JRF Ortho they partner with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at DonateLife.net. Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcell.com. We're back with Dr. Elizabeth Piroth, board-certified clinical neuropsychologist, director of the concussion program at Rush University Medical Center and Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Piroth is also the co-director of the NFL 
Neuropsychology Consulting Program, also on the board of directors of the Brain Injury Association of Illinois, member of the USA Football Heads Up Advisory Committee, the NFL Head, Neck, and Spine Committee, U.S. Soccer Concussion Task Force, and Amateur Hockey Association of Illinois Safety Committee. A lot there, and as Dr. Cole touched on in the beginning of our episode um, very, very busy doctor and busy woman. But um, let's get back, Dr. Peroff, if we can, uh, about retirement for a pro athlete, uh, how you go through that uh, with the, some of the risk and the benefits. A lot of these people have families. They're still very young. We talked about Andrew Shaw, 29 years old, multiple concussions, and um, suggested to uh, to step away from hockey, probably due to the quality of life. But what do you do with some of these professional athletes on a hypothetical hypothetical side to make the suggestion when they move on? So these are really long conversations, not only with pro athletes, but even down to the to our kiddos, right? Um, we talk a lot about the risk versus the benefits. And what's really important, um, young athletes all the way to pro athletes, is that we honor the fact that sports are really important to them. You know, these are um, their identity. These are things that they have put their heart and soul in for pro athletes for many years. They've, you know, playing sports since they were little kids. Um, it's their uh, livelihood for pro athletes, but it's also something that's incredibly important to kids. And I would say I'm a huge supporter of, of, you know, kids playing sports. My own kids play sports, but we have to look at their individual benefits. So, you know, I always start with that with the kids to say, listen, I honor you as an athlete, right? And if you're a, a uh, high school athlete that maybe you're done. If you're a college athlete, maybe you have scholarships. If you're a pro athlete, it's your, it's your livelihood. So that benefit can vary wildly. But we have to honor the fact that, that they have every athlete has some benefit to what they're playing. But then becomes the, the risk, and that's really individualized. So we're looking at the sport. So you know what what sport do you play? Well, how much risk to, is there? We look at your position. So, you know, catchers in baseball have about a third of all concussions in baseball. Um, we look at how much do you play. We see athletes, high school kids who are playing on three soccer teams. So we look at all those factors to look at how much exposure they have. And then we look to see how many concussions that they had, what is their history, what's their family history, um, you know, what is their style of play? Are they really an aggressive player who is continually putting themselves out there? We look at the, how many concussions they've had and how long of a time period. Um, you know, I tell athletes the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And if you're being concussed repeatedly in the sport, you're probably going to get concussed again. So we have to look at all of those things and we have to allow the athletes to process all of that. You, you know, again, I, I really don't want people to say that we say X number of concussions, you're done. We really have long conversations to help an athlete make this decision and help a parent make this decision <laughs> because, you know, parents of youth athletes can be quite invested in their children's sports as well. So sometimes it's a loss for the parent as well. So we, um, we talk about that. And with pro athletes too, I will say, you know, what is your wife saying? What is your girlfriend? What's your mom? What was your dad? You know, who's chirping your ear? One way or the other, you know, are you getting pressure to continue to play? Are you getting pressure not? So we really have to understand, even from an emotional standpoint, where are these athletes? And ultimately, it is their decision. Um, I always say that comfort with risk is a very personal thing. 
And it's not my job to say to anybody, you have to stop. It's my job is to educate them and help them make an informed decision. Um, and that can be really, these, these can be very hard conversations, just heartbreaking. Beth, before we finish up, I think it would be useful for our listeners because, uh, look, as we start to get into more sports now, I, you know, we're having these, these seasons are really off these, I have some kids who just played 10, you know, high school football games in the, in the spring. So right. we're cycling into some strange, uh, what used to be off season time, time periods, but, uh, we're unfortunately going to see more concussions. So if you, if, uh, our, our listeners needed to reach, uh, what I would consider one of the top experts in the world, how would they reach you? So they can reach me through the Midwest Orthopedics at Rush at one eight eight seven seven md bones So you can reach me. You can also schedule um, yourself. We have self-scheduling at, at uh, MOR as well. Dr. Piroff, I have one more question for you. And this is kind of timely with COVID, okay? So uh, my nephew uh, had a maybe a concussion or two playing football, 14 years old. And uh, because their season was called off in 2020, hasn't put on a football helmet um, for a year and a half. Okay, and you know the parents a little bit worried. Um, you know, not serious concussions or anything, no big symptoms, but got his bell rung a little bit and some headaches uh, after the hit helmet to helmet. So, um, does the does, does the brain heal, so to speak? I mean, when you see, okay, he hasn't worn a football helmet for a year and a half. He's played other sports, no symptoms at all. Um, does it heal? Can you go back then safely and start at, at, a, at a baseline of zero? Or of course, we're still looking at this because he's had complications in the past. So I think there's two issues there when it comes to kids returning to sports after such a long break. And certainly Dr. Cole sees this. Um, one is, yes, we, we do think that someone can go back to play after that amount of time, but we, we worry about these kids not being ready. And so they haven't been practicing and they have lost their skills as far as proper tackling technique. And so we worry about an increased risk of concussions and other types of orthopedic injuries simply because they just haven't had the practice time. So, you know, my concern is always people kind of run, rushing back to these sports um, and seeing increased injuries. But what about the head? I mean, you know, again, I mean, you know, if, if for someone who's had a concussion, does it go back to full repair of their of their brain injury if they had that or whatever the concussion is, you know? You know, and it's a great question. It's one that we just honestly don't have an answer for. Uh, a couple of years okay. ago, there was a fantastic study that came out, paper that came out and looked at every way that we measure recovery from concussion. Every, you know, imaging study, every biomarker, every physiologic measure that we have. And the answer is we don't truly know when somebody is fully recovered. Um, there's a lot of really exciting research looking at that. But honestly, the three things that we look for currently are the sort of the best that we have. And it's the same approach that we have with kids all the way through pro athletes. Um, and as our technology advances, I think we're going to see much better uh, tools and much better assessments. Certainly in the you know 25 years I've been working with concussions, we have seen a we, we do a much better job assessing recovery than we did, you know, even 10 years ago. So um, there's lots of exciting research and we look forward to sort of continuing that. And, and I will say one of the things I love about working at, at, at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is um, we are, have all the newest technology and we have the most uh, up-to-date, you know, cutting edge re uh, therapies. Good to know. Dr. Elizabeth Piroff, thanks so much for joining us here on this episode of Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks so much for having me. 
And we'll leave you with this, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to us or follow us wherever you enjoy your audio and podcasts. And as we leave you, our thanks to Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, MOR among the international leaders in musculoskeletal health. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush physicians are all faculty in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Rush University Medical Center, which is currently ranked number five in orthopedics by U.S. News and World Report. They were founded in 2003. MOR comprised of internationally renowned orthopedic and spine surgeons who pioneer the latest advances in technology and surgical techniques to improve the lives and activity levels of patients around the world. These physicians at MOR, proud to be the official team physicians for the Bulls, White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, also the Joffrey Ballet. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and schedule an appointment at one of Midwest Orthopedics at Rush's convenient Chicago and West Suburban locations. For Dr. Brian Cole and our guest, Dr. Elizabeth Piroth, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk with you next time.